Fitness Future Unleashed, Macro Trends and Podcast Power with Eric Malzone. Join us for a deep dive with fitness guru, Eric Malzone, and we're talking about macro trends, excuse me, in fitness, the power of podcasting, and the game-changing role of technology in fitness. Eric shares his insights from interviewing 700 plus industry professionals on his top rated podcast, Future of Fitness. Learn how to leverage podcasts for authority and revenue. And in this episode, it's a goldmine for fitness enthusiasts and entrepreneurs or anyone interested in the intersection of health and technology. Goodness, I'm tongue twisted today. But welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me share a little bit about the guests that we have here today. Eric Malzone, a fitness enthusiast from North Carolina, transitioned from a decade in corporate America to starting his fitness business, CrossFit Pacific Coast in 2008 and Lighthouse Fitness in 2015. After selling his gyms in 2017, he spent some time traveling before settling in Whitefish, Montana. He hosts the highly rated B2B podcast, Future of Fitness, interviewing over 700 industry professionals covering fitness technology, wellness, and health sciences trends. Eric also consults for fitness, health, and wellness brands like F45, Workout, The Sage House, and Morpheus Labs. I am so pleased to help welcome to the stage Mr. Eric Malzone. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, April. Appreciate the introduction. And uh, to the question you asked me right before recording, is it snowing yet in Montana? I, I just looked out the window as you were doing your intro and now it's dumping. So we're very yes. grateful over here. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, my pleasure. And I love that. And it brings so much joy to my soul because I I think that is so exciting. I love where you're located. I'm a jellyfish for sure. And and I think I did mention to you something I really would love for you to do, which would bring immense joy to my heart also, is to go hunt down that Christmas tree this year for me. You got it. You have my word. Awesome. Awesome. So there's nothing like hunting down your own Christmas tree and chopping it down and just dredging through that snow and being waist deep, right? I think that is so thrilling. But anyway, let's start by letting the audience get to know you, Eric. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. The, uh, you know, I'm not going to do the way back when, but I actually, I will go a little bit way back then. So I am originally from Northern California. I think I may have written in there, North Carolina, which was a mistake. So I apologize, but uh, I grew up in the Silicon Valley before it was a Silicon Valley, um, second generation uh, Italian, Polish. And uh, I grappled on to athletics pretty early on in my life. I started swimming competitively at the age of five mainly because I had uh, some pretty bad asthma. So it was one of the sports that I could do. And my mom um, kind of pushed me into it. Didn't really like swimming a whole lot, but was decent at it. And then I found the sport of water polo right around age 12. And that was uh, something I continued on for the next 20 plus years through um, college into club teams afterwards. So, you know, the point of that is really that sports, fitness, gyms, they've been a part of my life for, for a very long time and um, very thankful for it too, because I think it's given me a lot of really good stuff mindset skills and, um, uh, appreciation for hard work. And, you know, after college, um, uh, graduated from Boston college, came back to California. And that was some in interesting timing, April, like that was the dot-com bubble burst. So I was in Northern California, right when the dot-com bubble burst. So, you know, jobs were a little hard to find. Um, but I eventually got into a sales job and that kind of launched me into about 10 years of various sales jobs and sales management and marketing and promotions across radio stations and legal publishing and you name it, recruitment. I was doing a lot of different stuff. So um, I knew I needed a change. There was a moment in my life where I was at a national sales conference and I I did well. I was I was on a good career path with with sales, but I kind of looked around and I was like, yeah, what's around the room? I'm like, this isn't me. I looked at people 10 years older than me. Um, I'm like, okay, this is, this is not, I can tell this just isn't who I am. And serendipitously, uh, about a week or two later, I got a text message from an old college teammate, uh, Traver Bohm. And it just said, uh, Hey, <laughs> you want to open a gym? And this is back when, you know, it was T9 texting for people who can remember that 2008 ish. So I had to like, you know, I drank one beer, it was happy hour. And then I, I kind of looked and I was like, yes. And I typed out, yes, let's do it. And that was really it. It didn't take much more than that. I was, you know, single, um, obviously no family. And within six months I was moving to the city of Santa Barbara, which I had never been to, nor did I know anybody. And we were launching across the Pacific coast in a little 800 square foot, uh, studio. And it was a, a quite a ride. And if anyone who remembers 2008 was probably not the best time to start a business, uh, one of the biggest, biggest financial crisis, uh, of our lifetime. But, you know, we just ignored that and we kept pushing and, you know, over an eight, nine year span, we grew it to a really, really um, healthy community. What I would probably say is probably one of the premier CrossFit communities um, on the central coast of California. And then I opened up another gym uh, in 2015 with another colleague of mine as a kind of a new testing concept. Um, and then uh, unfortunately around 2016 is when, you know, everything up to my, that point in life, everything pretty much going to plan. 
And we just, uh, my wife and I just got hit with a lot of just bad luck, you know, whether it was uh, her father's passing of a heart attack uh, really suddenly at the age of 60 to uh, a loss of a pregnancy, um, mm. you know, some complications and that kind of halted our uh, hopes for having a family. And then, uh, you know, a friend's good friend's suicide happened in 2016. And then eventually our, our dog passed away, you know, kind of a cherry on top. And, you know, I tell you to share that because that was one of those things where it really rattled my cage uh, more than anything had ever done in my life. Just that series of events. I was like, gosh, and I just wasn't the same person. And I think anyone who's been in business for themselves or an entrepreneur knows like you manage enough stress, right? You're constantly managing stress. And this was kind of like the point that pushed that bucket of stress over to be overfilled. And I just wasn't the same person anymore. I wasn't handling it that way. So um really tell anyone about that, but that's really the decided factor of why why we sold. And um, you know, it was just time for a change. So I came home one night and I just told my wife, I'm like, you know, we always talk about living in a mountain town someday. Right. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. We talk about it. I'm like, well, what if we just did that now? She's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, what if I just sold the gyms? We just rented the house and we just moved to a mountain town and her exact words, I can't probably say here, but she's like, are you effing kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm not. And, uh, and that was it. So we took the next few steps and, you know, eventually getting the gym sold. That took a little while. It was kind of, um, stressful as you can imagine, but, uh, we successfully sold the gyms. We rented out the house and we packed up our Nissan Murano and a little teardrop trailer. And we started to, go from mountain town to mountain town and living there remotely. And, um, she kept her wow. job. I started my first podcast. Um, I started doing some digital marketing for different gym businesses and just kind of manufacturing a living until eventually we ended up in Whitefish, Montana. And the whole plan was to go up the coast, up to Canada, and then back down through Montana and through, um, Utah and, and Colorado and all that. But we just hit Whitefish and it was a hard stop. We're like, this is it. And, yeah. uh, we ended up staying and getting some property and, uh, yeah, that's been the last, gosh, I guess that's the last six years, seven years of my life. We've been, you know, um, enjoying life here in the mountains. So uh, a lot of stuff's happened, of course, over the last five years. I've really expanded my reach within the fitness industry. I still love the industry quite a bit. Um, you know, like we talked about on the the inter the prior to the interview here was like um, 750 interviews within the industry. So I had the Fitness yeah. Blitz Radio. I did 350 there. Future of Fitness is still pumping out, um, starting a new series with uh, a large um, news forum called Athletech and do a lot of consulting. So um, Dark Horse Rowing is one of my current clients, uh, uh, Workout and a bunch of different ones. So it's it's been a great ride. I'm very grateful for everything. I enjoy almost everything that I do. You know, there's no perfect job or occupation, but um, yeah, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Ah, yeah. Well, that's a great story, first off. Okay. And and we wouldn't appreciate the things that we have and where we've come along the way if we didn't experience those uh, challenges and hardships. And it sounds to me like you were truly living a country song. And also, like a true settler, you were during off and you landed somewhere and you said, this is it. And I love that. So what a cool story. And it sounds to me, what I've heard is, is you really have... A, you know, throughout life, you've always been this person, this beautiful athlete emerging into and creating that throughout 
life and the way that you respond to life because you know you you dealt with something physically that you had asthma when you were a child and yet you still pursued the the athlete journey and you just geared it in such a way that made sense for you at the time and you know when we talk about stepping into entrepreneurship and those sort of things you you have to have some of that that piece where you can pursue and keep going because it is, and I think I mentioned before, it's a fire hose to the face. It's not an easy journey. And that's why not that many people take it. Yeah. You know, anecdotally, it's funny. I had this, this conversation with a client of mine this morning, uh, Shane Farmer, Dark Horse Rowing. And, you know, um, let's say why, but he had some significant business challenges this year. And, you know, fitness in the post COVID world is, was, there's a lot of changes that happened in our industry, as you can imagine over the last three years, ups and downs. And, you know, he got to a point where there was a big challenges. He had to do some hard things to make it work. Um, but we, you know, we kind of reflected on that moment today where I was like, you know, we both had a good feeling that these hard times come in entrepreneurship and there's two things you either quit or you make changes necessary to improve. And, he chose the latter, right? He made, he did the hard things. He made the changes he needed to make. Um, two months later or about a month later, we started building a new product, a new app. Um, <clears throat> two months later, he lauded, uh, did a one-time product, had a huge sales month, just absolutely knocked it out of the park and refilled all the coffers and, um, you know, did a great job, you know, sailing that ship. And then we recently had, uh, launching the new product this week at black Friday, and he's going to hit a significant milestone, um, of just unbelievable revenue. So it was just one of those things. And we talked about, I'm like, this is entrepreneurship. You know, you, you mm -hmm. get hit and there's real low lows. There's going to be really high highs and you just got to be able to deal with those over time and, you know, and just not quit. And I think for, um, <laughs> certain percentage of entrepreneurs and, and business owners too, like myself is I'm kind of unhirable. So I don't really have a choice. You know, I'm not a very good employee. Uh, so I've kind of burned yeah. my ships really uh, to, to work for myself because, uh, you know, I keep trying. Sometimes I'll go back and I'll take a job because it's offered. And then I realize a month or two in and my wife reminds me not so subtly that like, yeah, this is why you don't work for other people. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. There, there's a hundred percent that. And it, it is a certain a uh, lot of people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That that really is able to continue on in the entrepreneurial aspect and, and, and on that road. But I think too, Eric, like you said, it is going to be very difficult and it is going to seem like everything is against you and you still have to continue moving forward and you have to just be consistent with that. I, I think Tony Robbins highlights it a lot and is definitely more so now. And when we consider the seasons of uh, the historical aspects of humanity, well, we're in winter right now. And as you mentioned, Eric, that you started that business in 2008 and nine years later, you did grow and you got through that time because you may have started during a winter period for us. Right. And, mm -hmm. and yet when we keep like doing little things and moving forward and, and just have that belief and the hope and, and the action behind it, then something really great comes out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally does. And, you know, it's, it's, I've seen it so many times is when you back, when your back's against the wall and you have to do things, it motivates you in a way that 
<clears throat> you wouldn't have been motivated when things were going well. And that's when really kind of this, the evolution of, of your business, of yourself as an entrepreneur takes place the most often. So, you know, you got to learn over time that the tough times are, are really a point to embrace um, and kind of look at, and it's really easy to say in retrospect, right? It's super easy to say, but when you're in it, when you're in those downturns, it's really hard to see the, the silver lining, but it, you can, the more you do it, the more you trust that it's there. Um, even though even time you, every time you do go through it, you question whether or not silver lining will be there at the end, but it generally is. I like that, that you do question whether it's going to be there. Okay. There's a lot of that so much of that right and and yet when you have this belief and i think eric i really appreciate your story and your journey of just selling everything packing up and venturing off into the unknown and and i think that being an entrepreneur is so much like that and i know that we've really gone into that topic here today which is which is okay because your company really gears toward that that's what you know that is what i know you know when i i have worn many hats i've i've have the law enforcement background i've also gone to the corporate arena where I, I understand those things. And I also have ventured out myself into this, to being an entrepreneur and creating something new into the world that I believe is going to bring value. And I think that when you have that passion and that drive behind it, it helps immensely. If you don't have that, then what's the point, right? You might as well just work for somebody else and, and aid them along their journey and their vision and their drive. So, um, but let's talk about that, how you are creating something for other entrepreneurs and a lot of the way to get your business and your branding out there and to be known and have the exposure is through exactly what we're doing right now. That's podcasts, that's going on talk shows, that's, you know, maybe writing your journey and creating a book. And But how do you allow that to be exposed into the universe. Well, this is one of the best ways. So tell us about what you're creating with that and what you offer to people. Yeah. So it's the, it's the podcast collective is what we, we named it. And it's actually been in the back of my mind for years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there's some things I noticed, and I think with a lot of businesses that start you, it, there's your own itch that you're scratching right? Um, and that tends to be overwhelming amount of businesses start that way. But what I've noticed after so many interviews in the industry is that um, there's a gap in the market. And I wanted to, to get into that gap. And um, one of which, and the gap I'm talking about is like in our industry, there's, there's the upper echelon PR companies like Jack Taylor PR, and they cost a lot of money. They're worth every penny if you can afford them. Um, I love those people. I think they do great work, but not everyone has access to them. And then you kind of go uh, down to the, what I'm just going to say the bottom is like you get um, these podcast placement agencies or placement agencies that don't really do the work. They're very spammy. Like I got one this morning that as a podcast host, someone pitching me on a client and or on a guest. And it was like, they obviously haven't looked at my podcast, even though they say they're, hey, I'm a big fan of your podcast because the guest mm -hmm. made no sense. Right. So that makes everyone look bad. That makes the guest look bad. It makes waste the podcast host time. It makes the agency look bad. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a better way. And then on top of that, after doing all these interviews, um, I've noticed that, as you you know, um, we talked about this prior, is like storytelling is a real skill. You know, having the ability to, to spin a message within a story, get across your value within a story is really critical. And I've interviewed so many great executives with great companies and great businesses, and they can't quite get to that point, right? So I'm like, there's there's definitely some coaching that needs to be done 
before people hit the guest circuit. And the other thing is that each interview or each opportunity um, on someone else's platform should be optimized. And what I mean by that is like, don't just send people to a loose Instagram handle because you haven't prepared a better way to capture traffic or have people contact you, you know, have like, we like to build out a nice landing page. That's easy on the ear. So if you're listening to a podcast while you're driving, while you're walking, you can remember it. Right. Um, then you send people there, not, you know, doggy 24, you know, Instagram handle, whatever it may be. Like you want to have a really good place to send people. And then you have a nice media kit so that, you know, your message gets across really well. It's nicely branded. And for the podcast host or the interview host, um, they can easily prepare for the interview by just looking at one document. And we want to make that job easy and make sure the podcast host has a really nice experience. So overall, we want to optimize the experience for everyone involved from the guest to the host to the listener. Um, and that's a service we provide. So we're working with um, executives, founders, um, thought leaders within the industries of fitness, health, and wellness, because that's where my network is. Um, and we're doing all those things, coaching them up, creating the assets, and then strategically placing them into a podcast within our industry. And I'm also teaching them how it's not just about the interview. Uh, it's about the relationship. It's about the strategic partnership possibilities. It's about all those things. So it's really business development wrapped in a podcast agency service. And then on the other end, something that I'm really, this is more of the passion side of it is like, Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. I love podcasting. I love podcast hosts, everyone I talk to. The, I, I appreciate every single time I'm on someone's platform. I know how much work it is, April, that you have me on this platform. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful for it. So I want them to not quit, right? So uh, we're going to create a community where, um, you know, it's discovery uh, is there. It's easier to discover them. Um, we're going to do probably some workshops for free, maybe some in-person events next year. Uh, we got to map that out. And then uh, also we want to create a sponsorship syndicate. So if someone comes to me, um, they trust my uh, input into the industry and I can say, okay, you, you know, you want to reach gym owners or you want to reach coaches, like let's get on these select, you know, let's choose these, let's throw a sponsorship ad, give those those podcasters some money to run ads. Um, and then we'll, we'll, you know, have a really nice impact on the industry in a very organic way. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, yeah. traditional marketing is pretty expensive now. Yes. Um, consumers are, it's hard to build trust, but when you get on someone else's platform, trust is kind of built in. Um, so mm -hmm. it's really, it's very un, underutilized and under leveraged. And that's, that's the goal of what we're doing. So far, so good. I think that what you're doing is absolutely needed and there's so much value behind this. I say often, Eric, that 
you, you know, the one of the ways to really grow and develop oneself is by sharing our stories. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, stepping on stage. It's one of the biggest fears that we have as human beings. Why? I don't know. We could go into that, right? On, on why we've developed that historically. And yet when we do, and when we make that choice and face that fear, the transformation that is involved is so great and it impacts people the, the, the most. And we live in such an incredible day and age where we are able to broadcast on a worldwide aspect. It is fascinating. And so when you have that passion and that story and, and you want to feel that healing and heal others in the same process, this is the best way to do that. It's absolutely incredible. And so I think that when we can start guiding people to show up in their best way and their most authentic selves and, and really guide them along that process, it, it makes the experience so much better. So the things that you are creating are greatly needed. And I can certainly attest as somebody who does conducts many, many interviews, uh, I think we're just under 200, which is fun. <laughs> so not quite caught up to you, sir, but, uh, but getting there. And But what you learn along the way, I mean, there's so much and you really start to understand what you, what you need and what you seek and that you do definitely want those. You want a good biography. You want it shortened down and you want great headshots so you can create the flyers if that's something that you offer. offer. But every platform is different also. And so what they're looking for is going to be a little different. But if you are well prepared and you can hit all of those different personalities, then the better. And they don't have to ask. But I think, too, one of my favorite things, and Eric, tell me your uh, experience in that. And I think you did mention it, but it's about the connections and the people that you get to meet. And, and it just soars you to ever greater possibilities. It is. And, you know, I did um, the fitness blitz radio that I did was a daily interview. So it was 20 minutes long. And <clears throat> so like you, I know you've done a lot of interviews this week um, and I, I was just pumping them out. It was ridiculous, you know, how many were getting done because I would do a week on a week off. And but still like that was six years ago. I did that. I'm still I just got off a call today with someone that I had interviewed six years ago and it felt like we we're, you know, we've never met in person, but I feel like we're really good friends and we hit it off. We caught up, you know, and everything was great. And that magnified over time is, is so powerful. I mean, there's so many secondary benefits to podcasting. Number one, of course, is the relationships you have. I mean, let's be honest, like very many people, um, most people will say yes to an interview who would say no to, Hey, let's just have a random meeting. You know, I want to pick your brain, right? Like most people, we don't have time for that. But hey, I want to interview you. That's a completely different conversation. You're providing value to that person's life. You're, you know, maybe stroking their ego a little bit, um, which is totally understandable. We're, we're all human. Um, but also you get what I really enjoy about it. It's like right now my phone's off. Like I'm having a conversation with April and mm -hmm. I'm very focused. I'm very into it. I'm listening to everything you're saying. I'm hanging on your words. I'm focusing on what I'm saying. I'm not distracted. That to me is like a very golden time in every given day where we're so saturated with just stuff, right? There's just too much yeah. stuff going on. So I think there's there's a lot of benefits to it, but definitely building in the professional network, the relationship you get and the things you learn. I mean, how many things have you learned in just under 200 interviews? And it's crazy, right? I hope I'm smarter. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, I, but I, I really appreciate your perspective on that and that you bring up when you're here and the being as present as you, as you can, you know, it can be, um, it can be a draining experience after the fact because you do put this immense amount of energy into being so present where I'm fully listening to you. I'm fully engaged and I need to be because I need to know exactly how to respond to you in yes. the best way that I can for not only you, but for me, but for the audience and, and what value that brings to them. So I love that you brought that up in that perspective because it it is that where but what do we get from that? It is because we're being so present that we learn even more. And so the value of that is incredible. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think, so I don't know if you've heard the statistic and I don't know if it's right, but like, you know, 90% of statistics are wrong anyway. Um, the most like overwhelming percentage of podcasts end at episode seven, right? Like there's these huge wow. people want like how many podcasts are out there like yeah there's a lot of podcasts that started there are most of them don't continue and mm-hmm. like unless you have a significant advantage in the market like if you're Tom Brady and you're going to go start a podcast like you're probably going to be successful right off the gate right but if you're just you know Eric Malzone who gym owner from California like oh, there's, there's not a whole lot going there so you better be willing to commit to the long haul and if you're going to do that like i'm saying like minimum 100 episodes and people are like whoa that's a lot of work. You're like, yeah, so you better enjoy it. So find ways that, you know, you can actually enjoy it and get value from it as you're building the platform. Because for most of us, it's, you know, whatever you deem as success, you're probably not going to get it overnight. You're going to have to continue to refine. You're going to have to build the audience organically um, and maybe get lucky every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. It's there, there's, I agree with you. That's what I've heard as well. And, you know, the way that I did this show is I, I kept a lot of that out of mind and I just kept going. And yeah. somebody told me early on, which was so valuable for me, was he said, think of this April as a seven year journey. This is this seven years. And you just think of it as it's going to be that long and it's going to take that long. And certainly you better enjoy it if you're going to be in it for the long haul like that. But I think with that perspective, it certainly, uh, it helps aid. And, you know, when we first started this, we knew nothing about it. And, and I said, again, fire hose to the face, right? You're learning as you go. It's jumping out of the plane and, uh, hopefully the parachute is attached, (laughs) but you know, you're, you're launching that as you're halfway down, not really knowing what to do, but so much of it is really paying attention to the people that inspire you the most and utilizing what they're doing and then trying it out and just slow improvements as you continue along. Like, you know, as you create your thumbnails, you know, the and and you you slowly make changes over time where you start to clean it up a little bit more or what have you. That's just an example. But slow and steady and the consistency truly is key. You know, after seven episodes, that's not a lot. So yeah. being able to to have something in mind where it is a long journey and just continuing on with it. Yeah, it is. And and uh, that's a hard thing for people to swallow, right? And I, I think I saw it particularly after the pandemic in our industries, we saw a lot of good podcasts kind of go away, you know, and these are people in two hundreds, right. Of episodes yeah. and, um, you know, just things change. And imagine some people had to go back and get a job, 
right? Because right. you know maybe things you know during this economy didn't work out for the business or whatever it may be, and that that bums me out. Um, you know, I like to see those those bodies of work continue on, but uh, it is. And you know, the point is, you, you really have to enjoy the process of the creation and the conversations and um, whatever format it is. Some people don't have interviews, which I think is great. You know, it's not my preferred method. I don't think it's the most value, but you can at least pump them out on your own schedule, right? Um, it's yeah. less less work on that end. So whatever it is, you're right. Like seven years, and I think as of two days ago, this is my seventh year in podcasting. So I hope you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you, you certainly, again, Eric, the, your, your journey in the entrepreneurial world, you, you started something out, you went nine years with your first gym. And mm -hmm. so that really is testimony that this is something that you, you just got to keep striving and moving forward. And eventually something will take place. We're in this time of age where we want everything right now. And, and myself highly included in this where I want to see something happen now. And it's very difficult. There's those moments because it's a great sacrifice, right? When you jump into something like this and, and you sacrifice maybe one income because you, you both, you see this beautiful vision. That's our case, by the way, our, our team consists of two and a half, me, my husband and the cat cat's not very helpful. Doesn't have thumbs, but she is our emotional support team. So, uh, but you know, my husband, we have to keep the lights on. So he, works his full-time job, but we both have this, this passion that this is something beautiful and what we're creating. And, and all of the people that we get to connect to is so well worth it, but you have to understand that there is the, this potential sacrifice, especially when you're doing it in that organic fashion where it is going to be slow and steady. Um, so, you know, you really on your journey have embodied the entrepreneur spirit, though. And I love especially going into the world of podcasts and broadcasting. You initially started out with that early on in your career life. Yeah. Yeah, it's um beautiful story for you too. I love that. That That's really good. And, um, you know, I sold my gyms to my wife and I had a similar agreement. It's like she was able to work remotely. Um, we didn't even really ask for permission. We just kind of did it and, uh, hope that they would say, <laughs> okay. And they did. Thank God. Um, but you know, she, she supported us there for a good year, you know, or yeah. two until I really started to get some income in and, you know, having that teamwork and having that shared vision, I think is, is really, really powerful. And, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this quote many times, but most people grossly overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. Um, you know, if you create, um, the more businesses that you get, you get to work with, like I've had to work with a lot of people, um, and their businesses, you start to see like, you know, a long-term, even just a five-year plan, right. Um, to me actually reduces a lot of anxiety. Like you, you walk the line yeah. in business and entrepreneurship between, um, you know, urgency and patience. Like you have to have this balance of those two things. There's going to be times where we're like, okay, you know, green light, like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get this done. Let's get this launched, whatever we need to do. And then after a while, you just got to let it marinate and kind of see how it works. And then you got to spend some time reflecting on it and refining it. And that's, that's kind of the process that goes. And, um, you know, when you think you're going to be super successful in one year, uh, you're really just doing yourself a disservice for the most part. Like, of course, unless you have those unique advantages um, that some people have like Tom Brady. But, uh, you know, I think that's something a lot of people miss is you, you got to have a longer term plan and you got to be willing to pivot a lot of times. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, analogies, I don't know if it's an analogy or whatever, but anyway, I'm going to tell it to you. Um, one of my mentors told me once is like, you know, when a plane takes off from Boston, 
right? And it's going to San Francisco. Um, you know, what percentage of time roughly is that plane on course? And the answer is something like 8% of the time is it actually on course, right? So, but the plane always lands in San Francisco, but it's course correcting constantly. And the wind's blowing it this way, you're coming back this way. And, you know, oh God, we went this way, whatever it may be, it's always course correcting and getting back on. It's never a straight line. And I think that's, you know, so many things in business is a really good reminder of like, that's the experience. Like, you, you know, which way you want to go, how you get there probably isn't going to be the way you thought it was, but just keep the vision and keep the direction and know what city you want to land in. And, and hopefully you don't land in Toronto. Right. Um, so that's, <laughs> That's, yeah. that's, I always keep that in mind. It's really helpful. And I think it's kind of a funny story. I agree with that. I think it's a, a wonderful analogy that y you always are course correcting, you know, life is change. That is the only constant, right? And so when we're aware right. of that, that, that things are going to be coming at us, life in general, it, it, things happen and it is really based on how we respond to that. And if we choose to learn and grow from those experiences. And, and I would say that, you know, the growth can be really uh, immense when you take that and learn from it. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about and shed light on the future of fitness. And when we talk about fitness and, and a whole overall wellness perspective and, and being uh, in working and the professional versus the, uh, oh my gosh, the professional and the, uh, oh my goodness, I'm losing my words today, Eric. But anyway, it, it, it need, we need the fitness aspect, right? I like to say that if you stop moving, you die. So it has to be a piece of the puzzle, right? And so you really understand that and you have spent so much of your life um, utilizing that and bringing that to the table and sharing that with others. So let's talk about the future of fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to talk about. And I think it's been, um, and the fitness industry has taken some really hard hits over the last year, uh, three years, sorry, the pandemic, you know, um, gyms were deemed non-essential, um, you know, which is crazy, right? Like that the liquor stores would be open, but gyms couldn't be. Um, and hey, I love both. I love the liquor store and I love the gym. So uh, I'm not saying, you know, that that's a bad thing, but um, it was just really hard hit. And then you saw these really yeah. strange, you know, the unicorns of the Pelotons and companies that just to the moon, right? Because of the, yeah. the economic environment and people were buying Pelotons like crazy. Um, How about a trampoline? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, right on. Yes. Yeah. Old school. I'm yeah, like, well, I if, I, if the kids can't go to the pool or what have you, then I'm going to get a trampoline and put it in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people made those purchases, right? So, yeah. you know, coming out of that, we're seeing some correction. Um, things are starting to get normal. But overall, I mean, when we talk about macro trends on the industry, I think there's a couple of really cool things that make me really excited is that um, the consumer has changed. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, just put a rough timestamp is everything health and fitness was basically done in the gym. It was the center of the ecosystem. If you wanted to lose weight, if you wanted to get stronger, if you wanted to, um, whatever, anything health and wellness related was generally around the gym. Now the gym is no longer really the center of the ecosystem. It's the consumer, right? So the consumer is, is the center. If you look at a spoke on a wheel, the gym is one of the spokes, right? They have maybe some, um, some community things they like to do. Pickleball is all the craze, right? They have, um, <clears throat> it's wild, uh, pickleball. Um, you know, there's home gyms. Yeah, people have home gyms, right? There's walking uh, groups, whatever it may be. It's like 
the consumer, there's apps, there's a million apps, there's a crazy amount of apps, you know, wellness and fitness and mental wellness apps that people, it's an overwhelming percentage of people have at least one on their phone. So it's changed where it's like, okay, now the consumer's at the center, they get to choose their own journey, which means that there's a big emphasis on personalization of that journey. So mm -hmm. making everyone's journey more personalized, more custom to who they are and what they're, what they want and the challenges that they're they're overcoming. So that's one thing. And I think people are starting to figure that out in the industry and trying to figure out how to leverage that exactly. Um, you know, people come to the gym for three hours a week, right? So what about that other astronomical amount of hours in, in the week that they're not there? How do we, you know, stay in their lives and keep them motivated and keep them on target? Um, so that's one thing. And there's a lot of people working on that. There's a lot of interesting solutions. Um, some people may disagree, but I would disagree right back. Um, I think thing that I really like about what we're seeing now is we're getting, and maybe this has a pandemic effect. I think consumers are more educated overall on health and wellness and, you know, mm -hmm. shows like yours. Right. And then I also call it the Huberman effect. You got the Andrew Huberman's, you know, people just overwhelmingly downloads. People are thirsty mm -hmm. and hungry to, yeah. to learn more about health and wellness. And then you get the Peter Atia in his book, Outlive. And, you know, people are reading these things and they're talking about them over the dinner table. Longevity is the new words. That's like the new, you know, that's the new major trend. Blue zones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Blue zones, like all this stuff. It's really cool. And yeah. it's fun that it's become a mainstream topic. And I've always seen the fitness industry pigeonhole itself into fat loss, which is a huge mm -hmm. disservice to everybody. Yeah. Right. I mean, that yeah. is certainly weight loss is part of, um, you know, generally speaking, getting into a healthier lifestyle, but you don't have to be ripped. You don't have to be doing a six week fat loss challenge, right. To be healthy. And that is what I'm starting to see change. So there's, there's a lot of that going on. I mean, you're starting to see companies like lifetime fitness, um, you know, they're launching a pilot program where they're, you know, actually working with clients with, uh, Ozempic, right. So they're doing, um, health and wellness plans, you know, coinciding with taking the medications of Ozempic. Now, whether you think of Ozempic it's fine, but it's here. Um, mm. I think it's actually a good thing as opposed to most people's opinions. But so you're starting to see this evolution of like, okay, people are really looking at exercise as a central pillar of wellness. And that's not just a six week challenge. It's a lifetime endeavor. And you're going to keep doing it if you want to live a long, healthy life. And you probably talked about health span versus lifespan on this, on this show numerous times, but you know, people want to be functionally healthy for a long time. There's people like me who see my mom's 85. Um, she's in, as Peter Rattier would say, the marginal decade, right? And she's mm. not mobile. She's not, mm. she's so many things she wants to do. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, mom, I don't think you're going to, you know, you're not going to play tennis anymore. Like, unless there's a miracle, right? So people are starting to see their parents age into this or their grandparents age into this. And they're starting to recognize, like, that marginal decade is, is a real thing, right? And yeah. I don't want to be there. So, um, overall, I think we're seeing fitness just kind of merge into this new wellness category, yeah. um, which is, as you know, trillions of dollars uh, as far as an industry goes. So it's a really cool time and, you know, people can either change and adapt or they can just get run right over, but, um, this is happening. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I thought of Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and the grammar getting run over by a reindeer. I don't know why my <laughs> mind went there, but so funny. I think it's just seasonal. And yeah, this is, you know, and, and this time of year, it's really at the forefront too. It always is, mm -hmm. right? When we merge into January and the new year and have all of the things that we want to improve upon and all of those things and how 
it just fizzles out so fast. You know, we hit it hard and then and then that's it. And I feel like it's it's the same thing when we talk about longevity and all of that thing. It's it's not about the the bulkiness and the muscle like, the, you know, these things are ebb and flow and they will change throughout the course of our lives because our bodies change and all of those things. So what is it that we can do in order to to hold on to just maintaining a healthy aspect and healthy way to to move fluidly throughout life right and so learning those different things and those techniques and the stretching and how important that is you know and and it's all encompassing of different things and not just about the bulk or the weight loss or this and that and so i think when we look at it as the long term goal and what are those those little things that we can do each day to improve ourselves the best way and or keep, maintain the improvement, right? It's it's a lot like the journey of entrepreneurism, where yeah. you it's this is a seven year goal, this is a lifetime goal, and this is how we're going to meet it. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I was going to bring it up. It's it's amazing the parallels between you know health and wellness, what fitness and business. It's it's so similar. Yeah. I mean, I have um, two people. Uh, you know, proud to call them colleagues. I'm, I'm just really impressed with the work they do is Kelly and Juliet Starrett, um, if you're familiar with them, but they recently released a book this year called Built to Move. And we're talking about mountains of knowledge, right? When it comes to human performance and, but they managed to take all that and distill it down to like eight to 10 things that you should focus on in life that don't take a ton of time. But if you do them consistently over time, you're going to mm -hmm. have a really healthy vessel right? As you go through life in the latter years and, you know, stuff like that. And that's a trend I'm really starting to see too, is I call it the coach's journey is like you get, let's use myself as an example. But when I first started as a coach, I, um, learned, got a couple certifications and I was certain that CrossFit plus the paleo diet could, could fix anything, right? Like it could fix any problem in the world. World war three, great, no problem. <laughs> CrossFit paleo, right? Like we'll just do that. And then I was willing to get into like a bar fight about it. I was so adamant about it. And then, you know, as I started to educate myself more, I was like, oh my God, I know nothing. And then you start <laughs> to learn that's when the journey starts to happen. Eventually yeah. start testing all these things out. You're just gathering knowledge. And then it comes back to finally, it's like, you know what? Most people need to drink more water, walk more, sleep more and de-stress. And that's it. And like, how do you sell yeah. that? I know. Right? How do you sell but that? So I, I get that. And, and bravo for you for being that that person that ventures out to help lead and coach others because you're correct. I love that you shared that story. Thank you for being vulnerable in it because when well, we talk you. about how I used to think this way and and I was so hellbent on it and then I realized I was wrong. But that's how it is. I I chose not to desire to go into coaching coaching because of that reason, even though I had this vast amount of knowledge, right? Trial and error. Growing up with an autoimmune disease, wellness was always at the forefront. So I, I engulfed myself in knowledge and learning continuously. And yet, even though I have all of this knowledge, I don't want to necessarily lead others into something that may or may not be the case, but you're right. It's within those things that you just mentioned that are truly the key. It's the sleep. It's that, you know, just eating as healthy as you can, right? The raw natural foods. And, and so a lot of it is, is common sense when you really start to understand it and it comes about, but 
you know, things change and fads change and ideas change and new science is always coming to the forefront. So being on that journey is, is something that we all take, but there's also those core things. So when you describe the, the women bringing this book into fruition and, and how they have this, this pillar of knowledge and bringing it down into something reminds me even of how we are adapting and evolving the food pyramid. And this is just how things change. Yeah. 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 It, it is really cool. And, uh, Kelly is, uh, that's a husband and wife. So Kelly's very much a man. If you look him up, Kelly Starrett. Um, and it, it is interesting. Thank like, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, he's, I mean, if you ever get him on, they're great, great interviews, but it, it is, it is really interesting. And it, you know, you come back to the fundamentals I and mean, I've seen this happen so mm -hmm. many times with people like that who are just get so intricate in their, their programming for fitness or performance. And then eventually is throwing their hands up there. Like we're not even doing the fundamentals. So let's just, you know, quit all the, the fancy stuff and let's get back to it. And I, I love right now that people, you know, there's the whole books on sleep. There's whole books on breathing, right? These are things that are fundamental that we're not, we're now starting to focus and realize that like, if you're getting six hours of sleep, um, there's some significant health effects long-term and short-term for that. And, you know, like, yeah. That's not the way it's been. And it's great. And I love the educated consumer and the people that want to, you know, really, really talk about it because it comes up more often than I thought it would, you know, uh, compared to five years ago about now about the stuff we talk about at the dinner table, right? You know, with friends and families and, you know, they ask me questions about things. I'm, I'm like, I'm so glad you asked that question. Like, that's so great. It's such a good sign. Uh, and I'll answer the best I can. So yeah, it's a good time. It is. Well, Eric, that being said, I mean, you have this beautiful plethora of knowledge and you've had discussions with, you know, world leaders in this subject. And so that's fascinating, incredible. You have a wealth of knowledge. That being said, what are you doing on a daily basis to really maintain your overall well-being? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of, gosh, let me walk through a day. Um, I cold shower in the mornings. So yeah, I'm on that fad. I really enjoy it. And it's not, I do it because uh, I'm kind of a naturally anxious person. Uh, people are sometimes surprised to hear that, but I wake up generally anxious about things I have to do or, you know, the sky may fall today on me, on my business. Um, but when I start with a cold shower, A, it's kind of making me, you know, do something that's a little bit more disciplined, but also the the baseline effect is it's a strong uh, anti-anxiety, anti-depression. So it just gets me on a nice level. And of course, there's tons of science you can, you can follow that up with. And then... Um, you know, I'm an intermittent faster, so I won't eat generally um, for, you know, 16 hour windows. Um, I have an eight hour eating window, um, usually between noon and 8 p.m. Um, I move every day, um, kind of oscillate between strength training, um, uh, like zone two cardio, which is, you know, long hikes or bike rides or whatever it may be, and then um, some higher intensity work. And uh, other than that, I just try to eat healthy. You know, I watch my carbs, I watch my sugar. Um, I, like I said, I try to get eight hours of sleep, keep on a nice routine. Um, and then I do my best to really uh, stay connected with friends and family and, and be part of the community here in Whitefish. I think that's probably the thing I'm working on the most right now is, you know, if you work from home and you do your own business, you really got to, <laughs> and having no kids, you know, uh, running around the house, you have to really put an effort in to make sure that you're getting social connections because that's really, really important. And I think it's something that people nowadays in this work from home area and this, you know, hyper connected yet disconnected environment that we're in, um, social connection is really important. You have to make an effort. So um, that's, that's where I'm looking to improve. I think I have everything else pretty dialed in, but that's, that's the area I'm working on. 
Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. You you definitely are doing many, many things that uh, that so many people talk about that this is really a top priority for them. Yeah. So uh, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that because these are all things that we could really in, encompass and improve in our own lives as well. That community factor is is huge. It is also a key player and key factor. And they, they mentioned that during the Blue Zone studies of how much that really plays yep. a part and being able to really be connected with each other as, as human beings, it's just pertinent. So you do a fabulous job at that, Eric. Thank you so Thank much. You. And so I want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you, knows all the things that you're creating in the world. And so, of course, we have the future of fitness.co. Again, that is www for those of you listening in dot the future of fitness.co. And then, of course, when we move into the podcast and entrepreneur arena, he is creating along with others this incredible service that you don't want to miss out on if this is something that you're walking into www.podcast.co podcastcollective.io. Again, www.podcastcollective.io. Eric, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience today? Oh, uh, no, that's it. And, you know, once again, I'm, I'm really appreciate what you've done here in April and, you know, grinding it out and making the episodes happen and doing the connections and doing the work. So I really appreciate it. If people want another place, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm really active there. It's kind of the only social platform I engage with, um, but uh, I'm easy to find. So yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Beautiful. Everyone, Eric Malzone, find him on LinkedIn, visit his site, see what all he's creating. It's been awesome to have you on the show. And thank you so much to our audience for tuning in. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much. We greatly appreciate you. So goodbye for now, and we will see you next time. <laughs>